The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory where myself, Matt Lane, Craig Stout all get together to talk about football. We've got a lot of football to cover because we have a lot of we've got we have more mystery added to what's going to happen with the Kansas City Chiefs than we do answers. But there's so much to unpack with with Justin Houston and D Ford and maybe even a little bit of Eric Berry. Uh, I know, Maddie, I know you are particularly excited to, to talk about all this speculation season. Nah, rumor season is not is not my forte, guys. It's not my favorite, which is weird because my favorite part of football is the draft season, which is all projections and speculation. But when it's just this random week and a half in between combined rumors and free agency starting, it's god awful. And this year it's worse than ever because it's just like, hey, the Chiefs are going to screw up everything about their football team. Have fun. What do you really think? I I've got a lot of, I've I've got a lot of scenarios to present to you, Maddie, because in they all of, suck. <laughs> <laughs> what a tease! Really, really leaving really leaving the audience wanting more there, there, Maddie. Uh, Craig, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. I I kind of side a little more towards where Matt is with speculation season. <laughs> I'm the kind of guy that doesn't want a surprise birthday party. Like, uh. I, I want to know that it's coming. I I don't like surprises. I don't like suspense. Just just give me the information. Let me process it. Yeah, surprise parties kind of sound like miserable. Like I just I ugh, ugh. I yeah. don't know. I don't I don't like surprise. Cheats are trading D Ford. <laughs> I mean, it. Hey, Maddie, it could happen. I'm checking my phone. Do you know what else could <laughs> Do you guys know what else could happen? The Chiefs could take one of the or several of the 300 prospects <laughs> that we have in the KC draft guide. I my like my new favorite thing is coming up with a terrible transition to try to promote ourselves. Like it's really hard You're for me. You're excellent at it. <laughs> it does not just, take a lot of effort. <laughs> it's just weird. Like it's weird, but uh, just you know, you can still pre-order the Casey Draft Guide promo code nerd if you go to gum.co/caseydraft or click on one of the links on our profile pages. We're really excited. We are carrying our passion over to a ginormous digital download. We are geeked for you guys to see it. You can still pre-order it for only six ninety-nine, less than the price of a chicken burrito at cost at uh, Chipotle. I almost said Costco. 
because that was a weird place to get a chicken burrito <laughs> i love i love costco we're giving a discount on our guide i guess that's what it is but guys we have so much to go through and really what i want to talk about is the justin houston um situation the d ford situation what uh, kind of just a little precursor here i think we're kind of going to peel back the curtain on like basically every conversation we've had the last month kind of just playing through scenarios in our head what makes sense what doesn't and kind of trying to unpack all the theories that we've thrown out there some are a little tinfoil hatty i'll admit but they're fun. It's speculation season. This is the fun part of speculation season. I think Maddie's fun. <laughs> fun, he says. They're fun. Maddie, Maddie, <laughs> Maddie's irate already. Uh, let's. I'm ta- watching prospects on my computer instead of you guys, so we're good. Continue on. Shredding You're the tape. Kent's hair, buddy. Yeah. You're missing Kent's hair. Sup? No, his hair's off screen. <laughs> Intentionally. Uh, let's talk about Justin Houston first, because I think there's a lot of stuff going out there about Justin Houston. Um, there was a report yesterday that has been walked back by several people uh, in the KC market have kind of basically said, no, that's not where we're at right now. Um, Justin Houston will be outright released. And uh, that's that's crazy. I just like that's kind of surprising that they weren't even able to get a simple pick swap out of it maddie so i think here's what you kind of have to look at for that if a team wants justin houston they're clearly scared off by his cap hit right now they're scared off of paying him you know a little under 15 million dollars essentially for one year and giving up some form of asset to do so so if a team's already kind of like that lukewarm on getting houston that they're not wanting to give up a sixth rounder or whatever it may be they're probably willing to risk that once he hits free agency because he's going to hit free agency if he's not traded that they can sign him for less than that like they're essentially just calling the chiefs bluff to their face and every team's doing it because it makes no sense for the chiefs to keep justin houston based on everything they've said done and it's come out so far i don't think there's really any path to keeping justin houston here so unless the jets decide that they have enough money that they're willing to eat an extra five six million dollars and lose draft capital to make sure they're the ones that get justin houston why not wait till he hits free agency yeah and i mean it's it's a situation where these guys all they they all know it It, it, the chiefs aren't keeping both of these guys and now all of this has kind of started to evolve out we've been saying it for months i mean it's not like it's a thing that anybody should be surprised by justin houston is gone like, like they know that he's gone, and they basically haven't committed to him at all in any conversation that they've had this year. So unless you just don't think that you have any shot at signing him, like none whatsoever, maybe he hates your town. He hates <laughs> Buffalo, maybe. Uh, you know, well, Buffalo's not the, the team trading for him, but I get what you're saying. No, right, right. But, I mean, I'm just saying that, that unless he hates your town and just isn't going to come there anyway – you're probably not going to trade a pick for him. And even if you did, do you really want an unmotivated Justin Houston? We've seen that at times. <laughs> it's not great. I mean, that's a, that's a good point. And like, I hadn't really thought about it that way. Is like, do, do you trust that the team that is trading for him without his free will, are they getting the best version of Justin Houston? Like, that's, I mean, that's, that's a fair question. I just kind of like, I wonder, is like, okay, a team chasing a ring and he has nine and a half sacks on his ledger last year that's not worth 15 and a half million dollars to go chase a ring on a one-year deal basically that's just where i'm just like i maybe maybe i'm off here but like you know the, the reports were that 
that Justin Houston's going to get anywhere between, you know, 11, like anywhere between 12 and $14 million. Like there's not going to be a big drop off. So, I mean, is a couple no. million dollars worth swapping fifths? I mean, I don't know. I, like, I, I, yeah. That's kind of yeah, just, I, I don't, that's where I'm just kind of confused. Like, I mean, that, that just seems like a disconnect between like, and maybe it's just, you know, piece, some pieces are good information, some are bad, which is like, it's obvious. I mean, that's especially this time of year and, you know, so. Yeah, but I mean, what? who is a realistic contender, realistic team that's chasing a ring that needs pass rushers and has that cap space? Uh, the the Green Bay Packers? The Green Bay Packers do. The Green Bay Packers are a team that makes Mike Smith connections. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the Colts, you're not giving Justin Houston to the Colts. Like no. you're not making that trade. Probably the Colts are good enough to where they're going to be a playoff team next year. You don't want to. You don't want to be trying to bolster them in any sort of way. So yeah, the Packers maybe, the Cardinals maybe, the Jets maybe. But I mean, outside of that, there's not a whole lot of teams that, and the, you know, the the Cardinals and the Jets aren't competing for a playoff spot. So right. they're not chasing a ring. A lot of those teams that are chasing a ring right now are kind of already most of the way in. So you're right. not going to be trading to the you're not going to trade with the Patriots. Do the Packers want to go from Clay Matthews as their number one pass rusher to Justin Houston? Go from one expensive kind of declining pass rusher to another one? They're still going to have to learn a new system. Like Craig said earlier, what's his effort level going to be on any given rep? Like you can sit here and say that yeah, he was still effective last year, even if you think the effort level was wavering. Right but now, he's going to a new team. He's got all these new players. He's got to learn a new system. He's not the same. I don't think he. I think he weighs a lot less than he used to. He's not the same two hundred and seventy-five pound complete freak that he was in his prime, where he could play and and dominate tackles in the run game. We saw Rob Gronkowski pretty much bully him multiple times in that playoff game. Granted, Gronkowski's a great blocking tight end, but that's still a tight end that was able to get the better of him consistently in the run game. So he's no longer this guy that's going to play a base end for half the teams. He's a guy that's an outside linebacker, maybe a weak side defensive end. That already limits some places. He's older. He's got an injury history. There has been up and down effort concerns. There might be more stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about in terms of with who he got along with, who he didn't get along with in previous coaching staffs. That's all just not even red flags. It's just marks on a sheet that other teams are thinking about. So now, like, oh, we're going to move back 15 spots and pay him $15 million? Why when we can pay him $11 million in free agency when he's cut in two weeks? Right. And on its face, like, I... On its face, yes. Like, I, I would think that someone would be willing to swap fifths or something like that with for him. However, I don't disagree with like, if you start, this is, I mean, it's, it's kind of a speculation, but like if there's some stuff there behind the scenes that we're not seeing, if there's some effort concerns, you know, or stuff like that, like that's the stuff that, okay, I don't want to pay this guy 15 and a half million. And like, I totally get that. I think that's kind of where I'm. It doesn't even have to be concerns. It's just the possibility. Right. Right. No, I, I, I think, I think there, there could be some validity, validity to that just because there's not even like a, a a pick swap kind of market even for him to potentially. Now there's good reasons even beyond that, but I think that's kind of where my head's at is just, you know, it just all adds up. It all adds up. It would all, you could all add up. 
There's a lot of stuff we're going to... And they don't get to bring him in for a workout and an interview and a meeting before this either. If you make the trade, you're essentially making the trade for him. Right. Not completely blind, but you don't get to that sit down with him and determine you know, what you think about all this stuff every single time beforehand either. Okay. You're kind of going in blind. I'm going to ask you guys both this real quick. If I set the over-under on Justin Houston's uh, annual contract, actually just next year, $10.5 million. Over or under, Maddie? Push. Okay. Craig? <laughs> I think it's over. There's just the, the pass rusher market is there's nothing there. Abysmal. It's yeah. Trey it's Trey Flowers, it's Preston Smith, and a whole bunch of guys. So I'm gonna go under. Okay, I, I really am gonna go under. I think that his thing, I think he gets released. I think he's out on the market. I think that he gets some decent offers, but nothing that he is going to be close to what he wants. I think he signs a one-year deal that's going to end up being worth less than that to bet on himself one more time and earn himself another big paycheck. So okay. That's where I'm going to go with his under for just next year. That's fair. All right. That's real that's, fair. Yeah. That is fair. I mean, I just I was curious. Just wondering. Okay, we're going to transition to something that's probably going to infuriate Maddie, and I'm really kind of <laughs> worried that we're just not going to get out of here at all. Because this is good. This is like Maddie Lane Tangent City, which I kind of I I I, I hope that's a thing in real life. Like Maddie, whatever. Um, I'm not going there. I'm going on a tangent about Maddie's tangents. <laughs> so D Ford, we've we've they, the Chiefs have slapped the uh, non-exclusive franchise tag on D Ford. And there's been some recent kind of buzz and some recent comments made by people, you know, in the know, people that are well-connected, people that you typically trust, like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter, adding these little caveats to the fact that the Chiefs have traded or that the Chiefs have franchise tag D Ford, making it seem like they're pretty open for business with him, wanting to move on from him almost. And it's eerie. It's weird. It's kind of surprising because... You know the Chiefs are moving on from D Ford or from Justin Houston, and now they're throwing D Ford into the mix. Rappaport comes on on today and says that kind of just throws out a ah, second round pick as a potential re- return for D Ford. We're gonna start there, Craig. What do you think about the Chiefs getting a second round pick alone for D Ford? I think that D Ford is worth significantly more than that on this roster. Like I, I think that his valuation is so much higher than that based off of last year alone and the potential for him to repeat that. 13 sacks. It was posted that 11 of his pressures resulted in turnovers. Just pressures. So th- that's a guy that affects the game in so many different ways. A second-round draft pick, especially in this draft, is not a really great draft after the first, what, 15 or 16 picks. That's that's what his valuation is. I'm, I'm just not okay with that. I think that's way too low. Yeah, this the it boggles my mind right now. Here's a guy that was literally the most productive, maybe outside of Aaron Donald, pass rusher in the NFL last year. This is the pressures per snap, pressure rate, sacks, forcing turnovers. Like Once you combine everything, D. Ford was the most productive pass rusher, or second most productive, the most productive edge pass rusher, and the Chiefs are sitting here saying, yes, he's Get a decent contract for one year on the franchise tag. It's expensive, but it's at linebacker. It's not wildly expensive, and it's $15 million. 
we think that we can only get a second round pick back for him. That seems odd, and it seems like there just has to be more to the game. Not necessarily with D4, but there has to be more to the Chiefs' angle with that. Because here it is. Khalil Mack, much better player. Not going to argue that. He's still got two firsts, a third, and a sixth round pick. That's such a big gap between right. that and what they're asking for D Ford. And Khalil Mack still had to sign a contract with the new team he went to. Mm-hmm. There's such a big gap between what the two are asking for. And again, you want to sit here and say that D Ford's not going to get close to what Mack did? I'm not going to argue that. But a single second round pick, that seems a little crazy to me that that's all they think they can, that's all that somebody be willing to pony up for D Ford. So I just. We're in, like we said, speculation season. I think there has to be another long-term plan for what the Chiefs are trying to do with this, whether it's not trading D. Ford. Maybe they're trying to float his name out there in trade rumors to get teams more interested in Justin Houston. Maybe the whole plan is to make people think that if they trade D. Ford, they're going to keep Justin Houston, so we better trade for Justin Houston now. Didn't really think about this you know, much before when I first heard it, but is that a plan? Like, how else could you have such an easy and low bar to set for D Ford to trade away to any team that wants them pretty much for a second rounder at this point in time? And I think this is where I'm kind of struggling with this whole idea in general. Just what does it make sense is, you know, like what, like what does that valuation tell us? That number is out there. Rappaport didn't... I don't think Rappaport just kind of flippantly just said, eh, second round pick. I think there's probably some some nuggets of information. That's that guy's job behind that. So why would the valuation be so low on a guy like D Ford? And I think this is kind of where like you start theorizing some stuff. The Chiefs... D Ford's been really the only guy out there with all these franchise tags that there's been some caveat about eh, they'll they're gonna tag him but they might trade him. So that just that's not a thing that happens. It, it right. doesn't happen with everybody. It, no, yeah. it hasn't this to this point. So I I start questioning. My thing is I start questioning, okay, what do the Chiefs think about things like D Ford's back? And like, is 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 the is is their major concerns? Do they just think that this back that the back's on the way out? They don't think that he can get through another year. Do they uh, do they really not think that Steve Spagnolo is a like if, if this is a fit for Steve Spagnolo? These are the kind of questions uh, that I want to ask and talk about here in a little bit. But first off, I want to go here. What's the idea? What do you guys think of the idea? of having to move on from both Justin Houston and D Ford in the same year. And so this is something that kind of came on a little bit later and I was a little upset at myself for not thinking of it initially. The chiefs are changing schemes. They are going to a four, three. There's going to be two pretty much base ends on the field at the same time. I don't think three, four and four, three are that crazy different in terms of what they're asking for from an edge rusher. But there is this chance that the new coaching staff wants bigger, longer, more traditional defensive ends. I kind of hinted at it earlier. Justin Houston's a lot closer to 3-4 outside linebacker size now than he was when he first came into the league. He's slimmed down a little bit because he's played more in space. He's played in coverage, must the Chiefs fans dismay. He's not the same size that he was when he first got to the league. D Ford is obviously a smaller edge rusher. There is this chance that the defensive coaching staff just wants bigger traditional defensive ends to fill the same general roles, but if they get their choice, they want guys that are 6'5", 
270 pounds rather than guys closer to 250. They don't need guys that can move super great in space and run a seam for 15 yards anymore. They need guys that can rush the passer, can hold up versus the run a little bit better on the outside, and even more than holding up against the run, they just want guys that can eat up space a little bit better than D Ford or Justin Houston were kind of able to in these last couple years. So if that's the goal, if there's a particular plan in place to get better fits at defensive end, then I think exploring that notion isn't the worst idea. It's just you can't get only a second round pick back for D Ford. Yeah, and the the other part about that, uh, Spagnuolo has tended to lean heavier with his defensive ends, like Matt said. But they still have to be athletic. It's not like you're just going out and getting big guys. With as much zone blitz as Spagnolo runs, he needs these guys to be able to still drop into coverage and cover the flats. Not necessarily trying to run with the tight end down the field, but trying to take away you know quick passing lanes and things like that in the zone blitz. So they still have to be athletic guys. And so now you're kind of pigeonholing yourself into you're going to need this bigger guy that has a little bit of short range agility and able to you know kind of kick back and do that maybe not as bendy necessarily maybe not as speed oriented especially long speed but but you are still pigeonholing yourself into a little bit of a hole for that and and moving on for both of these guys in one season i mean they the chiefs led this the league in sacks i know everybody says oh well you know they they were terrible last year with all that so what good did it actually do imagine how bad they would have been if they those two guys weren't there i mean so this is a situation where i don't know that it's okay to move on from both houston and four i think you got to keep at least one Okay, so I'm going to go this route now, and you kind of led me down it. I'm just going to throw some, like, try to rationalize. I'm, I want to kind of try to rationalize, and some of these are a little tinfoil hat, but there's some theories I think you can rationalize, you know, moving on from, from these two, and whether or not you agree with it. And actually, on one of these, I want Maddie to just go off because I know he's got strong opinions that he's been sharing for, like, literally since September. Um, but I'm just, I'm going to start throwing out these, like you kind of already started talking about this. Um, Steve Spagnolo doesn't think D Ford is a fit. Does that make sense to you? Can you really rationalize that? You've kind of given out some maybe reasons. Do you think that he could really rationalize that Craig? No, I don't. I really don't. Uh, D Ford played a four, three end at Auburn and, was a damn good one. I mean, he he's a guy that plays with his hand in the dirt. I've, I've been hearing a lot of this, well, D Ford doesn't fit the 4-3. D Ford plays with his hand in the dirt plenty in the Chiefs sub-package defenses with Bob Sutton. He wasn't standing all the time. He still rushed with his hand in the dirt, and he did all through college. So I don't buy for a second that they think he's not a fit unless they are really, you know, just hammering down on this size thing. These guys that are just so much bigger than the two outside linebackers that the Chiefs have. And I think that's where it is right now is it just comes down to size and maybe, especially now as the NFL's gone a lot more into a spread kind of attack with so much pre-snap motion, there isn't really the chance to play D4 or Justin Houston specifically at the weak side as a defensive end. 
any given play, wherever you line up, that's not going to remain the weak or the strong side for the entire play. So now you have a time where there's going to be chances where a team is going to rotate a tight end, maybe a great blocking tight end over D Ford, and you're going to have D Ford or even Justin Houston against a double team of a tackle and a tight end, and you're expecting linebackers and a safety to come up and kind of help and that's where you fill out the rest of the roster to help do it. But I could see if you're sitting there in the defensive room, if your plan is to play this way where you're not playing weak and strong side, you're just playing two defensive ends on one side of the field. You know, they can switch, but they're just playing on either side. I can see how you would want to get bigger, stronger, longer defensive ends that are still athletes. I think Craig nailed it. He kind of, you got to put that on there is, They have to be good athletes. Olivier Vernon, Jason Pierre-Paul, these guys were still very good athletes, even though they were much bigger and stouter than both D. Ford and Justin Houston. It's just a different body type and a different way they rush. They're still great athletes, just a different kind. So I think there is a chance that they don't feel like they need these guys that are super good speed rushers, still good pass rushers, but not so much relying on their speed as much as some other stuff to get to the quarterback. Okay, so I'm going to tinfoil hat a little bit here. This is kind of like a a big speculation, a big reach. But, you know, we kind of started asking the question of like, it doesn't make sense for them to move on from D Ford and Justin Houston in the same year. They've got to have a plan if they don't. Well, fellas... Get your tinfoils hat. Get, get your tinfoil hats on. This is my. This, this is a theory that I, I I could see a rationalization for moving on from Justin Houston, and and Craig actually put on a hat. Uh, moving on from both. So I call it like it's the Trey Flowers theory. Okay, the Chiefs have short and long term issues, and now Maddie has put on a stuffed animal on his head. This is. I really wish you guys could see this, but but work with me for a second here. The Chiefs, uh, they are moving on from both of these guys. They have a plan in place. They um, are they they have short and long term issues at the edge position because D Ford's probably gone next year. So we D Ford, whether or not D Ford is good or not again this year, he's probably gone next year. They're probably not re-signing him. The Chiefs um, are going to move on from Justin Houston. They're going to cut him. They're going to try to get something out of D Ford now. And before his, they have concerns about his back issues. They, They don't think he can hold up for a year. Let's just say that they don't think he can hold up for the whole season. They're going to sell high on him. The market for edge is extremely restricted. It's basically Trey flowers and Preston Smith. I mean, as far as guys that you really think you're going to get a big impact out of. So the Chiefs actually take and restrict the market bigger by taking Trey Flowers. If the Chiefs, if the Chiefs are signing Trey Flowers, they've already come to an agreement. Um, I mean, the, the combine, people make the deals over shrimp cocktail. This is just how the league <laughs> works. So the Chiefs are signing the Chiefs sign Trey Flowers. The market's restricted. D Ford's a hot commodity. They're able to get that second round pick out of him now. Play that risk. Um, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, kind of hedge a little bit. Get something for D Ford now. Solve their short term edge issues for 2019 because they've signed someone to a long term deal. Solve their 2020 problems for next year and still get something out of D Ford and Justin Houston have all this money to spend move on from Eric Berry you've got room to re-sign Ty Hill and Chris Jones I I could see it 
And they have that relationship with Brandon Daly too. So, I mean, they, they could be a team that could actually attract flowers. Yeah, they could. Um, the the concern, I think, that, that comes up with flowers, because he definitely fits that bigger, longer guy. I mean, if you're putting him opposite Breland Speaks, you don't really care where the tight end lines up. Like, you're good with right. the tight end shifting to either side. He's going to be able to anchor and be able to hold that double. And, yeah, it makes a lot of sense from that point of view. I think the problem is is that everybody's reported market for Trey Flowers is like 15 to million. $20 million. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I mean, it's bonkers. That's, a, that's a bonkers market for Trey Flowers. And I like Trey Flowers. Don't get me wrong. I really like Trey Flowers. But I don't $20 million like Trey Flowers. Maddie? Right, and that's the confusing part here with D Ford. And the Chiefs have him for a second rounder because he is coming in at $15 million, granted for just a year, but to get him cheaper than Trey Flowers, you would be only using, again, and the Chiefs are asking for a second rounder. I think, to me, that says a third rounder would probably get it done. So that's just, that's why going back to D Ford's value just doesn't make sense. But if the Chiefs are out there, if they're trying to bring in another number one edge rusher, I really think that Trey Flowers is your only guy. I don't think Preston yeah. Smith is a locked-down number one pass rusher. I think he's a fine number two. I think he's still got room to grow despite being not super young. So if they have a deal in place for Trey Flowers and then they start making all these moves, the thought process is sound and it makes sense. And like you said, there's a connection there. So there is dots to connect in a way that this does make sense. It's just... To have so much smoke coming out right now about getting rid of the Chiefs' current edge rushers, it's going to be hard to walk that back into them, one of them or both of them being on the Chiefs next year if they are not able to lock down Trey Flowers. Right. And I don't think the Trey Flowers thing is happening. I'm just trying to theorize and rationalize all this because, like, again, the, the value of D4 does not make a ton of sense. And that's where I'm just like, I think you just kind of unpack some stuff and think through some things and look some look at some different angles. I'm going to ask uh, a mailbag question right now. And I kind of want Maddie just to kind of go with this because I know this is a point of contention for him. And this is something we've heard a lot of. At D, <laughs> D. Brock Hamilton asks, why are D Ford's back surgeries flying under the radar? That's a huge red flag for me. As far as any long-term deal goes, it's not that he didn't play well this year after surgeries. He makes long-term health unlikely. So I, I know he's talking about long-term, but even this year, like I think some people, I, I have some hesitancy just because things just don't make sense with D Ford's valuation that I'm concerned about the back, but I know you have an argument for D Ford's back for a one-year deal with D Ford. Please go. Okay, so here it is. In short term, all that's going to matter is D Ford has to make it through this upcoming year. And he may have battled through a little bit of discomfort or injuries, whether back, whether groin, whether hamstring. You know, you saw different things where he seemed like he was out. But here's the simple thing. D Ford moved better this year. Not rushed better, not play better. He moved better. You watch D Ford last year before he just literally couldn't play at all because of the back injury. He looked Stiff as a board. He was a guy that was running almost at right angles, having to gear down. There was no bend. There was just nothing. He was not the same moving of player. His biomechanics were not the same. He goes in. He has a more invasive surgery. They actually remove some of the stuff that's causing the issue in his spine. It comes out. It's more invasive. His doctor didn't even want to do it because it's a riskier surgery, essentially. 
usually, and not always, and I, I'm not a doctor. I've done a little bit of research on this. I've asked people that I know that are doctors that were close enough for this field to have a general idea. You know doctors? My wife is a PA, so hey, yes, I do right. know some doctors. Uh, but right. yes, I've asked a couple people, and essentially, it's a more invasive surgery, but if it works, if it takes, it's going to be better than the surgery that he had back at Auburn. So he has a better, quote-unquote, fix for what his back, the issue that is ailing his back right now. So if you don't want to give him a long-term deal, because again, his first surgery lasted in what, bottom four years worth of good football before it had to be fixed again. So if you want to not feel comfortable giving him a long-term deal, 100% understand. For one year, there is nothing to believe that his back's just going to implode this upcoming year. He's moving better. If he's still able to go in and work out, and judging by how he looked in the Indianapolis Colts game, there is no movement issues unless he was just shot up with pain meds to high heaven. And <laughs> that's the only way that he moved that well for the Colts game. He then went out, and he seems to have a pretty normal-looking offseason going so far compared to what he even said his offseason was the previous year when that great story came out where you just heard that he couldn't get out of bed he could hardly do anything he seems to be living a very normal football player life this offseason everything points to him being healthy enough this year so if you're waiting for an injury to come to his back this year you might as well be waiting on justin houston to blow his acl patrick mahomes to blow rupture in achilles stop sammy Watkins to rip <laughs> his foot even off say that getting like, it why would you even say truck. that you're waiting on something that is just you think is just going to happen because it can happen not because there's actually something pointing to it happening the raiders just spent a draft pick on a player who literally might die on the field any given play and that's acceptable but d ford's back may or may not be okay <laughs> even though it just got fixed this past offseason it makes no sense for that to be an issue for a single year maddie you made a patrick mahomes reference we tried to joke about it and you're so intense about this that you just, <laughs> just like rolled. churned just through rolled. it Oh yeah, I saw you guys. It wasn't stopping just, me at this point. I was, time. I was trying to have fun, and like you're just like, no, not the sec, not the right moment. I need to finish this. Shut up. I'm talking. Okay, I'm gonna infuriate Tim, you. I was just trying to get in and out of the segment quicker. Uh, yeah, no, you. We could have stopped. Like, I think everybody stopped listening like three minutes ago. But <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. Can I infuriate? Can I infuriate both of you a little bit more? You like to do this. I just and Maddie try to keep it in under like an hour when the, when I when we get to you I'm gonna you ask you for it we got I'm it I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask Craig this one if uh, if if you knew and there's no way we would know this but if it came out that the Chiefs were moving on from D Ford and Justin Houston because they are keeping Eric Berry on the keeping Eric Berry uh but they needed money to make other moves. How would you feel, Craig? Just, just out of curiosity. I, uh, anger seems like a, a lesser version uh, <laughs> of, of what I might be. I, I think it, when we're talking about all this valuation of D Ford, I agree with Matt on the back part of that. I mean, I, yeah. I do think that that that's a thing. There's no ticking time bomb. It's not like they know. I think Matt even said that in the DMs the other day. It's not like they know right. they've got you know four. He's months. used it more than once. He's yeah. used it more than once. Like yeah. that's that's a. That's it's a not common like they Maddie know that ism. four months from now it's going to explode. So I, I think in that instance with that valuation of D Ford, you're banking on his back 
not being okay, and that's why you're moving on. Like, that's really the only reason why nobody would want to trade more than that for D. Ford. So if you're telling me that you're moving on from D. Ford and you're getting that kind of valuation for his back, and then you're going to turn around and try and count on Eric Berry, who plays who's played three <laughs> whole games basically in two years, two years to come out and and be able to be a major contributor and that's the factor like that's the reason why you're moving on from Justin Houston to D Ford so you can go make other moves and keep a guy who can't get on the field like that's that's ludicrous to me that's terrible roster building and I'm just I don't think there's any way that's true. I mean, you never know. Like, I mean, like there could be some. We would never hear. Who knows? But yeah, we no, yeah. no, we would never hear. But I just wanted to like throw that out there because like whether or not the Chiefs tell us something, like you can speculate and you can play around with these theories because it's fun and it's. I mean, I am enjoying listening to Maddie freak out. Okay, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go at you with this one, Maddie. Uh, the Chiefs are just trying to have space and have some cash and all that good stuff for Ty Hill and Chris Jones contracts this year. Go. So it's another theory of mine that's not the particular favorite that we've run the numbers <laughs> off podcast before. We were able to get enough money to re-sign technically both of them while still keeping D Ford. I mean, obviously it took getting rid of Justin Houston, but you can re-sign both Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones this offseason if you're willing to if you don't want to make any other free agent moves and keep D Ford. There's no reason to have to get rid of D Ford to keep both of them. Paying both Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones this offseason doesn't really make a ton of sense. You don't have to pound both of them immediately. You don't have to hit the pay now button for both of them right now. <laughs> and if you are serious about trying to win right now, why are you trying to pay two guys early when you know you're going to pay Patrick Mahomes early? You're probably going to pay another young player early at some point in time, whether that's Kendall Fuller or another upcoming rookie that starts playing well. You can't keep paying everybody early every single time. It would make no sense to clear all this money just to put it back into players already on the team. No, that's. I just wanted you to go, and I, I thought you might go a little bit angrier, but I think you got it all out with the previous question, which is great. <laughs> um, okay, so guys, let's just go ahead and jump into a mailbag real quick. We don't have a ton of questions today because we spent a lot of time talking about... Oh, specu- we missed one theory that we got to talk about, though. Oh, what we is it? We missed one D Ford theory. All right, this is one that's coming around hot now. The Chiefs with Spagnola, Matt House, and everybody are not going to need one-on-one pass rushers as much as they're going to scheme up pressure to the opposing quarterback. Do okay. you guys think that is a reason that they would be willing to get rid of both edge rushers because that is their plan? I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think we've seen it a lot of times that, that Spagnolo isn't like just a third-down blitzer. He, he's just He's going to blitz on every down. Uh, maybe some occasions that aren't necessarily appropriate to be blitzing. He's going to be a guy. He's just that aggressive. So I can I can see that to a point. But I, they still have invested in edge players. I mean, it's not like they've neglected. Spagnolo has. Spagnolo has. Spagnolo has. I mean, Spagnolo has. I, yeah, in sorry. The past. I say yeah. I say they. Spagnolo's teams. Spagnolo's defenses have still had. JPP, they've still had Olivier Vernon, they've still had, you know, I, I, I'm blanking on names now. OCU oh, Minora, they drafted Robert Quinn, they drafted Matthias Kiwanuka. Right. He's drafted high-valued edge players or re-signed high-valued edge players numerous times throughout his head coaching and defensive coordinator career. 
So you would have to be leaning on Brandon Daly's effect on this whole situation to kind of justify that. I do agree um, in a lot of... like I, I think that would it would have to be a very heavily influenced decision with uh, Brandon Daly. Now, that being said, like, who knows? I mean, like, they, they could think... They might just have a plan. Like, they might have a plan for different edge rushers that they can sign long-term, that they trust long-term, yada, yada, yada. I mean, that could be part of it. Maybe it's not Trey Flowers, but maybe it's someone else, and that kind of lines up with that. And then they go trade up in the draft for it. You know, who knows? Yeah, and I do want to credit, I think I believe I first saw this on Twitter from Josh Webb, so I believe that that's his initial take, and it's kind of made its round through KC Media lately, so I do want to give him the shout-out for being like the first person to really put that out there. I think that people have talked about this, and I agree that on a some level that there's going to be less one-on-one pass rushing from the Chiefs this year that's asked to win. There is going to be more schemed pressure. I just don't think that any team that succeeds in the NFL and – Besides the Patriots, and they've been doing it for two decades now, and I don't think that you can plan to repeat anything New England does, there has to be some form of one-on-one pass rushing capability. And if the Chiefs get rid of both guys without bringing in a Trey Flowers, who the Patriots did in fact bring in to help a lack of one-on-one pass (laughs) rush, you don't have the ability to do that. So you have to have somebody somewhere that can win a favorable one-on-one or an unfavorable one-on-one from time to time. So right. we can continue with the mailbag now. I just wanted to throw one more theory out no, there and give a little no, bit of credit to it. It was good stuff, Maddie. It was it was a good job. you're gonna be. I, you don't need me anymore. I mean, do I get just, access to the Google document yet? No, you, Maddie. You will never get access to the Google Doc because <laughs> you'll just put my own pictures Google of document. Breland Speaks and Ron Parker and crocodiles in the document in the middle of questions when I'm trying to read. And you know, I'm I'm, I'm Ron Burgundy. I will read what's on here. I've done it a thousand times. You got it, th- no. Uh, but is it Breland Speaks or is it a crocodile? I mean, they're both the same thing. Am I right? <laughs> Um, that's kind of an inside joke, but, uh, let's just answer a few questions here. We're going to try to speed around these cause we're already like at 40 minutes, uh, at wasted motion asks, do you think that Brett Veach puts less of an emphasis on spark testing? For instance, speaks naughty and Watts. And does that concern you going forward compared to Dorsey? So, uh, no, I don't, I'm not concerned about it. There's, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. I think, uh, I think John Dorsey leaned a little too heavily on on those kind of athletic testing measurements. I think that's the reason that Chris Conley got taken as high as he did. I think that's how he kind of swings for the fences on day three, and it has not worked a ton. Like it's worked for some guys. Like I I don't think Tyreek Hill counts as oh it's a spark score guy. I just think that they thought he was a good football player. So. Uh, uh, and Brett Veach has been able to find guys without really high spark scores that have had success. It doesn't always work. And obviously, you know, athletic testing is a good, it's a helpful tool. It's a good predictor, especially for, you know, uh, for pass rushers. And, but there's always exceptions. And I think Brett Veach has been able to find some exceptions like that in the past at, uh, AC rocker asks, I'm Craig, I'm going to have you jump in on this one. Cause I know we've had this a few times, but it's, it's probably a good refresher for some people that haven't heard. Please explain as swiftly as you can what kind of 4-3 defense Spags is probably going to bring to Kansas City. I don't know much about the difference between the different 4-3s. What current team's defense would you compare it to? Well, we'll start with the current team's defense. Uh, The Seahawks, Pete Carroll, has been running a 4-3 under for ever. Like, ever and ever and ever. Um, But it's, it's shifted in a way that you have four down linemen and three linebackers, but the Sam linebacker, I get a lot of questions about this Sam linebacker. The Sam linebacker is kind of a light stand-up 
edge player, like a 3-4 outside linebacker that kind of follows the tight end around. So if the tight end is lined up to the left, that Sam linebacker is over there to the left. Inside of that, you have a defensive end, but a bigger one. That's Breland Speaks. Then you've got a nose tackle. Yay. Yay. A three-tech, a Chris Jones there. And then you've got, like, your really good pass rusher. Typically, that's your Leo position. That's the spot that D Ford, if he's on this team, really kind of slots into. And then you have two off-ball linebackers, a Mike and a Will. And that's just kind of a real quick and dirty way to look at it and it kind of shifts as matt was saying if the tight end goes the other side the sam follows it over and the whole line kind of shifts and you know gets a a more a wider angle with that other pass rusher out there so yeah that's that's real quick and dirty Maddie at my guitar is his asks any chance that the Chiefs try Kelvin Benjamin out at tight end two after they release Demetrius Harris. Uh, Demetrius Harris isn't released. Uh, he's a free agent, but go, Maddie. I think that this like quest to get a super athletic tight end two to pair with Kelsey doesn't make sense to me. Travis Kelsey plays in the slot more than he plays in line. That's where he's the most effective. That's where he does his best work. I don't know why you would want to bring in a second tight end that kicks him in line more often than the second tight end would be. So you want a tight end, too, that can be in line, that can block better, that allows Kelsey to be play out in space more. Furthermore, Travis Benjamin has done nothing to me to make me think that he is a tight end besides be very large. <laughs> like He doesn't run tight end routes. He hasn't really played out of a slot a ton. He doesn't do great with nuances in terms of playing through defenders. He's just... A very big receiver that had a lot of success playing on the outside, running specific routes for an outside wide receiver. I don't see the translation to the inside. He's not a guy that's going to allow Travis Kelsey to be Travis Kelsey as much as Demetrius Harris did. So I don't see that move as making it is a great fit for Travis Kelsey. Uh, at Wasted Motion asks, hear me out, Josh Rosen, Rosen for a third-round pick. Is it crazy to give the Cardinals 92, let him back up and learn for one year and up his stock and sell for 2020? Well, okay, so Josh Rosen's kind of an interesting situation where I don't think all 32 teams were particularly interested in him. He rubbed some people the wrong way. Some people didn't like him. So I think the teams that were going to draft him, I mean, I think, I think Josh Rosen is a better quarterback prospect than Josh Allen, and Josh Allen went before. For him. So I don't think a ton of people like him. I don't know how you can raise his stock if he's backing up Patrick Mahomes. I think he's talented. And I think like the idea of trying to flip a guy that might be a damaged asset and getting more out of him isn't a bad idea. But what's the situation that's allowing Josh Allen to raise his draft stock or Josh Josh Rosen to raise his draft stock? I think that's Answer the other one it's gonna too. be hard it's gonna be hard to do. Uh what was it? Uh, uh, Josh Allen raising his draft sp- draft stock. Oh, uh, I. You know what? I know you like. Josh I think. Allen. I think. I think Andy Reid could. I. I. I think Josh Rosen's a better draft prospect, but I think there's some there's some stuff there with Josh Allen. Like I think if Andy Reid had Josh Allen, I think that he would improve. I really do. I think they'd find a way to play to his strengths. But that's another story. And Maddie's rolling his eyes probably. Uh, Schweb twenty nine asks: Is there a player in this draft that you'd be willing? to make a similar trade as the Saints did in 2018 to move up and acquire Marcus Davenport. Uh, like, so what the, what the Saints did a few years ago is they gave up pick 29, they gave up their fifth-round pick, and then they gave up next year's first. Gregory? Uh, that, that's still putting you know, about the, the 10-ish range, maybe a little bit lower than that. So, I, no, 
I, I think all of the players that I'd be willing to trade up for at that point are gone top five, and I think that I'd rather save that pick. Kent, I'm rolling my eyes because it has taken me this long to get to talk about draft prospects in our podcast. This is unacceptable. This is draft season. I is in my contract. This is not happening. We have a whole draft pod on Thursday, on Friday. Nope, nope, nope don't care. So <laughs> yes, um, if there's somebody sliding to pick ten ish, like Craig said, if Brian Burns probably won't be there, but if you, I mean, there's any of the top guys, anybody that's kind of up at that level, I do think there's a chance that Brian Burns slides. Not a big one, but there's a slight chance. Somebody like Ed Oliver, if you really want to swing for the fences, I do think that Rashad Gary fits the defensive end mold that we have been talking about for this entire podcast. Even if I don't love his edge rushing tape so far, he has all the physical traits and that size. So if you really want to make a Marcus Davenport type trade and a guy that is just all upside that you have to still figure out what to make him, what to do to make him better, Rashad Gary kind of fits that mold. But outside those guys, I think that's about my limit. Um, yeah, I think that's about where I would call the call it quits in terms of trading up that two first to get that high. I would rather just trade up a first and a third to move up five spots, six, seven spots, rather than go that far. I think about it with Brian Burns. I love Brian Burns, and he he answered some more questions coming in at two forty nine and testing awesome so i mean that's a guy i think about it all over too uh pete asant chiefs 15 asks thoughts on some talk uh of the chiefs taking a center early in the draft uh maddie i know this is a a hot button for you as well in the first round so if the chiefs took garrett bradbury in the first round what would your reaction be matt yeah, so we're running out of time, so I got to keep this speed round. Um, I think that would be a terrible pick for the Chiefs right now. The gap between whatever you're getting at center at the end of the first round, even that's Garrett Bradbury, who is a very good prospect, to what we saw from Austin Ryder last year, isn't that big. It's not big enough to justify ignoring cornerback, safety, defense, spin, defensive tackle, wide receiver, running back, tight end two, or just about any other position on the team besides <laughs> offensive center so i just i don't get the move i don't get the pick you're gonna pay him essentially the same that you're paying austin Ryder, who you just chose to pay money to after the season was over the entire move would make absolutely no sense to me you want to get depth on the interior offensive line early in the draft on day two sometime i understand you're losing a very good center you want somebody to fill in but just in the first round that doesn't help the team this year and i'm not sure it makes a team that much better going forward Craig, anything to add to that? No, uh, I I will lose my mind if if we take a center. Even even I, though I love Garrett Bradbury, is, I will lose my mind. Garrett Bradbury is a good football He's player. He's a great football it would be, player, but it would be a it would be it'd be a letdown. Yeah. The same way that last year's draft broke me. Um, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes put up fifty touchdowns and had MVP season with like throwaways and undrafted free agents in their interior line. They claimed Austin Ryder. They signed Andrew Wiley off the streets as an undrafted free agent. They traded for, for Cam Irving for nothing. The most of their season, they did not have anybody like that. They spent a lot of money on the interior offensive line. That is not something that I think is critical to them. I thought Austin Ryder did some good things. He, they're fine. They don't need to go center at twenty nine. The center can't help them stop defense or stop offenses. Like that's just I, I, I saw some people saying that, and I understand you want to protect Patrick Mahomes, but 
I mean, it doesn't matter if you can protect Patrick Mahomes if, first off, he's fantastic creating, and also their defense is terrible. <laughs> so, uh, at last one, at Cameron Corwin asks, what splash signings could the Chiefs do outside of Collins? Anything, Maddie? So, I think we kind of answered some of them. The Trey Flowers one, yeah. we mentioned Preston Smith briefly, I don't know how splashy he is. That's so not a splash signing. Do something so more I'm ambitious. Going back or just to the say they don't. Group. I'm going back to the safety group because I think they are bringing in a very good free agent safety if it's not Landon Collins, which I'm still showing that I was out there pretty early on this. It's going to be. If not, Adrian Amos would be my second phone call, and I would consider Eric Weddle after that. It's going to be a safety. If anyone's seen the safety free agent list, it's insanely stupid in talent. Somebody good thing they need one from that group to play in Kansas City because Eric Berry sure ain't. I, and that's the other thing we didn't talk a ton about the safety market, but it's it's going to be much lower than I think everybody thinks. I know everybody's a little bit wary about paying Landon Collins quote unquote top dollar. Landon Collins' spot rack right now is nine point four five million dollars a year, and with all the safeties on the market, because he is just a box safety. I mean, there is a very defined role for him. I think that his price won't be that high. I just really don't, especially with all these other guys on the market. So I do think that there's going to be some value there. They might double dip there. They might try and get a couple guys, maybe a a secondary guy, a Trey Boston, might come on the cheap again this year just because the market's so, so huge in free agency. What if it's Weddle and Lando? Oh, man. I'm here for it. They got better. I'm here for it. They got better. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Landon Collins because, I mean, the the Giants didn't tag him at 11.5 and and maybe they just don't think that Landon Collins is going to get 11.5 on the market or maybe they're just gettlemaning it. I don't know. They have cap space. If they wanted to keep him, they they have cap space. Uh, right, but maybe they think 11 is too high. Well, have, and, has anybody heard any of their stuff out there? And like, luckily for everybody's ears and Kent's brain space, we don't have time for me to go off on this too much. But they talked about how Landon Collins isn't good enough in coverage to be justifying to pay that much money. And it is the biggest misconception in the entire world that Landon Collins can't cover. He is not a pure center fielder. So people get stuck in this. If he's not Earl Thomas, he can't cover mindset when it comes to safeties. We heard it with Eric Berry. You've heard it with Harrison Smith. Shocking. The two most highest paid safeties in the NFL right now, Eric Berry and Harrison Smith, is now like third or fourth. But these are guys that affect games when they're playing a ton. So is Landon Collins. You can be good in coverage or good enough in coverage playing in a robber or underneath zone and in man coverage. You do not have to be a center field safety that affects three plays a game because that's all you actually get to see targeted in the back to be good in coverage. It's the worst misconception going in football right now that if you don't have sideline to sideline quote unquote speed, which also doesn't exist in the back end, you can't cover. You know, it's numbers to numbers, big difference. Rant over, Kent. You can close us out. I know you're itching to say something else. That was a short answer from Maddie Lane, and that will end our show. Thanks for joining us. Check out the draft show on Friday. Check out the draft guide if you are so inclined. We will talk to you later.